Welcome back indeed, episode number 58, Rasball Fantasy Basketball Podcast, Sun and Joel edition. Uh, 58th pod, so uh, there's no numbers in the NBA with uh, 58. Uh, it's crazy. So it's like, it reminded me of, you know, going to the elevator, uh, those stupid hotels that block out 13th. It's so dumb, but it just reminds me that you go, you go up to 12 and then there's no 13, you go to 14. Uh, so that's basically when I was looking at basketball reference, you know, 57, 59, it's like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? But uh, many times, um, 58 points has been scored. Uh, 17 times in league history, Devin Booker, Fred Brown, Kobe, Wilt did it nine times. Harden, that's nutty. That's nine so, <laughs> times. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. I, you know, I wonder. Okay, so he got the 100 point. Say no 90, no 80. 60. I don't know if he has 70. He's got to have some 70s in there. But he, I'm going to have to check. He may have every number probably in the 50s and 60s, I would imagine. <laughs> right? I mean, 50, 50, on the way to 100, you touch them all, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to have to double check that one. That, that's that's nutty. Uh, Harden, twice. Iverson, MJ, uh, and Russ. So this pod, uh, we're going to talk about trading. Uh, I'm going to let Joel ramble on this one because he's been uh, a great steward uh, letting me ramble and rant the last few pods. And I figure what better way to start off the new year uh, than to let the uh, illustrious Joel uh, drive the ship. Uh, but before I do that, um, he just wrote up a, a piece on the Utah Jazz. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good piece, uh, both from a real-life fantasy perspective. Yeah, so check that out. Uh, some really good lines in there. Uh, uh, it was fun to read. It was a good read. So everyone check that out. Uh, without further ado, Joel, what's going on, my man? Oh, thank you. I appreciate I appreciate uh, handing over the keys and also saying nice things about that jazz piece. I uh, it was late mostly because I've really indulged in the uh, in the holiday sort of bleed here. It's just been a lot of like slow days up by the lake, which has been really, really nice. Um, so, yeah, it's taking a little bit to sort of jumpstart and get back into the swing of things here. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's the third. So everyone's kind of back to work and and back on their bullshit, including me. So, <laughs> um, yeah, excuse me about um, about trading. I guess it, you know, it came up just because I've been really active recently in this um, this 30 deep uh, dynasty salary cap trade, uh, salary cap league that we're both in. Um, and, you know, I didn't really think I was going to be that, uh, that guy, um, but there were some things that were happening across the league that sort of spurred me into action. Um, so, 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 yeah, break it down. So start from there. I guess I one of the things that, factored into sort of the timing of this is, you know, people like to think that the season sort of starts on Christmas. Um, really we're about like 45% of the way home. So we're, we've completed a a significant enough amount of the season that I feel like I've got a pretty good read on where these teams are and how they're doing. Um, one of the challenges with this team is that, you know, I've never played in a, in a league of this many members. And so I don't know what a winning team looks like. And so leaving the draft, I felt really good about the team. I thought I had done well. And then the first month of the season or so, 
um, I was sort of in the middle of the pack, and I I was then thinking at the time that I was probably not going to win that year because you know, the team was pretty young. Uh, Barnes was the key component there, and you know he was where most of the money was. And if he was having a top 100 year instead of having a top 50 year, um, it would just be hard to make that difference up. Um, also, Jamal Murray was was a big player that I had drafted, and he was taking a sort of slower ramp up. Um, so yeah, I, I was of the opinion that I wasn't going to be doing um, a lot of traces. I think I was going to be very competitive. Um, but as this season has unfolded, and I kept on ticking up the standings, and you know, one of the things I was seeing is like depth really matters in a league of this size. And I had enough ball players that you know I was able to to move up. And so um, yeah, like the last time that we spoke about this, I was in maybe twelfth. And I could see other teams making some trades, and this is something that you and I talked about. It was just, it was a really active market. There was a lot of, um, a lot of sort of separation between the teams that were competing this year and the teams that were going to be competing in a different year. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to get in there. Once I started moving up to about like uh, top seven, I thought like, well, this team is competitive now, um, and I don't know how many, with it, with this many teams in the league. I felt a pressure to go for it when there's an opportunity. It seems like it's going to be really, it's a hard league to win with that many people in it. So this was the window and uh, pieces were moving and I, I decided I needed to get, get in on it. You were one of those people that make it a deal. Yeah. Yeah, I was, um, you know, going into the league. Uh, I tried to just have as much depth, you know, right. I didn't spend it. I didn't spend over $30 on any player. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted as many. My eventual goal is to get as many guys as close to 30 minutes per game as possible. Um, and I mean, the reason why I really need to fill out or trying to fill out everybody is because um, in a stars and scrubs type uh, team, uh, you know, if <laughs> Donovan Mitchell goes for 71 points, right? Like, it, you know, he does that and he goes like 30, 40. Uh, it's very tough to make that up, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of how many guys you go. So, I mean, so, you know, there's going to be teams like that that have, like, three guys like that. Um, and, you know, the thing about this lead is half the, half the teams get into the playoffs. So once you get in, anything can happen, right? So for me, because I didn't pay up, uh, it's really uh, – it was more important for me to get those guys to try to just chip away, you know, get, like, you know – just as many, just chip away as many counting sets as possible. Uh, I didn't accomplish my goal. Uh, there were a couple guys that were kind of, um, you know, just not, not, you know, up to snuff. You know, obviously, you know, guy like Kessler Edwards, right, coming into the year, I thought like he would mm. be able to contribute, right? Like if, even if he's only get, getting 18 minutes, like that's pretty valuable, right? So, you know, I had to kind of pivot from there, and um, uh, I ended up. Uh, you know, trading for Markel Fultz, Kevin Herter, and Christian Braun. Uh, I really like Christian Braun a lot. I think as the time, you know, as the season progresses, like he's going to get more more minutes. Uh, just, you know, just IQ, uh, toughness, defense, everything. Mm-hmm. He has good size. So I think he's going to be a pretty significant contributor. Uh, so I really want – and then the one mistake that I've made in the past um, is that uh, – well, through, what, three pods ago, I think, you know, we were talking about it, and I said I wanted to be patient to see how the uh, trading, right, how, you know, just to see how kind of everything changed. But 
or, or how the landscape was uh, be just because so many, you know, things change from a team perspective or injuries, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but then was it less than a week, right? maybe a week and a half later, yeah. I ended up pulling the trigger. And uh, there were a couple of reasons why. Um, one was, you know, so say it was the Wizards that just started pawning off pieces. And so he's in sh straight tank mode, right? And yeah, then I realized... Striation I was talking about. Yeah. Like you could really see it. Yeah, so you can see which teams are going to be selling and which teams are not. And then, you know, because the team is, uh, the league is, you know, 16 teams make it, so half the league, uh, the amount of teams that feel like they have a chance towards the end, there's going to be a lot. You know, I would say... 20 to 20 right like low 20s they're going to think they have a shot right so it's going to be difficult for to pry pieces away from those teams and then so that leaves so let's just say there's 10 teams left right um if washington is starting to you know pawn off his pieces now at some point he's not going to have any pieces to pawn off or at least good pieces right so then that'll yeah. take him out of the contention so that drops one team and then so i could for me, I felt like that process was going to start happening soon. Uh, so that's why I wanted to kind of like jump on it now, because uh, once those kind of teams are, are identified, uh, the competition is going to be a lot more fierce, especially because, you know, there's going to be, like I said, say 20 teams that feel like they have a chance and that, that they feel like they're going to have to make a move. So then the prices are going to be more elevated. Um, you know, I, I ended up giving up two ones. Uh, and... You know, I, maybe I overpaid, maybe, but my main. What goal, else did you give up in that? In so the, in the fold steal, it was Sadiq Bay, uh, Cameron Payne, and Goga, and mm. um, you know Payne was a good price, four dollars. Goga was eight. Sadiq Bay was twenty five. And the thing is, it's make this makes it tough because it's a salary cap league, and it's it's one of the reasons why I really love this league because uh, it, it really uh, referees the trades. Right, because in the other tree, other league, there's so many trash trades, you know, just guys, which which is fine, right? Like, uh, guys are tanking, right? You don't want to bring back assets if you're tanking, right? You just want the picks, but because of the salary component, you know, everything is is honest. So, you know, I'm I'm a firm believer, like, in order to get something, you have to give up something, right? And so that's why I really appreciate this. So, you know, Sadiq base, he's young, so it hurts, you know, giving up that piece, um, but. You know, at the time he was kind of relegated to a bench role, and his yeah. his efficiency was an issue, and I kind of wanted to like get that off my team, and um, you know I felt like getting false for fourteen, um, getting uh, Herder for eighteen, uh, and then I got Braun. So I, I I didn't think my main goal was okay. You know, obviously the the Bay and just say Herder is kind of a wash. Right, to some degree, right? Maybe, yeah, I mean, there's obviously little minute superficial differences there, but mm -hmm. um, the faults uh, to came from pain to faults, I feel like is a pretty big upgrade. And then Goga, like he's not sniffing anything. And I don't, I don't see that he's going to be a significant contributor. Whereas, um, you know, I feel like Braun will be. Uh, so I'm, I think I increased my minutes there. Uh, so I, I got rid of, of one less dead piece, but then more mm -hmm. importantly is I got younger. And I think the main mistake that I made in the, in the past and other leagues is that like, I spent pretty high draft capital on like, um, like ish, like ish Smith, because I needed threes, <laughs> you know, mm. assists. and it's 
like looking back on it now it's so gross right but at the time like that's you know so i was just going for a team need and um so this year i wanted to really be cognizant of it like if i'm gonna you know utilize draft capital like that uh not only i need to get minutes but i wanted to get younger so um the final component to it also was because this league is not just head-to-head uh it's roto and so back to the well i'll start with the head-to-head component uh, because I felt like I had some dead spots on my roster and because I didn't have any superstars, although I have some young guys that I think can develop into superstars, you know, Franz Wagner, Anthony, Anthony Simons, things like that. Mm-hmm. But that may take some time. So now for me, the most important thing is I just need to get minutes, it's, you know, to be able to compete with, um, you know, because I think last week I lost um, 6-3, I think, to a team. Granted, you know, some of my guys were injured, right? Like, from, I had some Orlando guys, so the suspensions really hurt me there. But, mm, you, know, yeah. he, you know, he has, he had Tyrese Halliburton, and he had, like, two other guys, you know, superstars. And so if my team isn't fully functional, it's hard for me to make up, you know. Uh, so, yeah, that's why for me, I think, you know, uh, my, my goal, and right now I have one dead spot that I'm trying to upgrade. Uh, and if I can do that, like I feel pretty good about my team going into it. But yeah, so from a head-to-head perspective, I just need as many minutes to be able to compete, uh, you know, with the Stars teams. And then also to, you know, injuries are going to be huge. So to kind of like buffer that. But more importantly, because this, this league also has a roto component to it, uh, I saw where I was in the roto standings. I'm pretty high up there. Uh, and, you know, I felt like I need to start making moves now just to accumulate all those counting stats. Right. And, you know, like the games played, like every steal, like they all matter. Right. And mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, right now I'm a little light on boards. So I need to try to address that. And uh, my free throw, my free throw percentage sucks. So I don't know how I'm going to address that. I don't know if I will. <laughs> we'll, like, we'll see. But um, yeah. And, you know, kind of like what you were saying earlier, like, yeah, we're almost, you know, 40% of the season away. And if I wait till the trade deadline, Right, that's like two thirds of the season. So then it's yeah, harder. Yeah, it's not to, time. Yeah, it's harder to make it. So that roto component really factored into everything. So I'll just like, let me just start just trying to accumulate those stats now. So, um, yeah. I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense to me. I I didn't realize that you were so high up in the roto standings. I knew that I that I wasn't. I actually had only just checked now when you were talking about it, um, and I'm in eighth, which is higher than I would have suspected, mostly because. Um, you know, I fell into the JaVale, JaVale McGee trap a couple of times this offseason. And, <laughs> no, and so McGee was, yeah, we talked was about supposed it. to be. Yeah, we thought, yeah, he was, yeah, we thought he was good. He was supposed to be a source of blocks for me. He was supposed to be a source of field goal percentage for me. And it obviously didn't really work. He was, that was, that was not the first move that I ended up making in this league, but it was one of the earlier ones. Of just I had him for $5. He's 34 years old. There's no way that it was going to get better next year was my thinking. And having that flexibility was going to be more important to me than than the player. Um, yeah, you know, I'm. I think that seeing where you are in the schedule is really, really important, both in the roto component and it factored into my decision of when I was going to make these moves. Now, um, I've got a really big head-to-head matchup with. So I'm currently in sixth. There are five teams in front of me, including yours, um, but I'm playing one of them right now. Um, and so there's a real opportunity to sort of to pull closer to the pack um, and move ahead if if this goes well. And then the next three weeks after that, I looked ahead in the schedule. 
are all against teams below 500. So I felt like, yeah. A, I wanted enough time to catch these teams. I'm nine, I'm eight points back now of first. Um, so I want to give myself enough time to close the gap. And I also, I need to make some hay now, especially against a, a team that's in front of me. And so, um, you know, I, I, I thought that I was going to be a guy that was staying young because my most expensive player is 21 years old. And um, I guess for the sake of, of reference for people who don't have the, my roster in front of me, it's Barnes at 57, Jamal Murray at 28, John Collins at 28, Trey Jones at 17, Bobby Portis at 14, Jeremy Sohan at 14, Tyus Jones at 10, uh, Jackson Hayes at 7, Grayson Allen for 5, Reggie Bullock for 3, uh, Jalen Johnson for 7, Nikhil Alexander-Walker for 2, Edmund Sumner for $1.12, Orlando Robinson for $1.09, and David Duke Jr. for $1. At least that was the roster ahead of these moves. <clears throat> and so I had some had some young pieces that I was excited about. Um, I had acquired Jalen Johnson before the season started. I traded him. Uh, I traded for him with uh, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope straight up. And so I got a dollar back in salary and I got younger. Um, and, I, you know, I think Jalen Johnson was sort of one of those players that you were describing earlier of like, if you're looking for minutes, he's really not going to be the guy for you right now. Um, but I thought he was an, it was an attractive price at $7. The upside was there as like a top 15 pick. Um, well, plus you have John Collins too. So it was kind of like, uh, yeah. yeah, kind of, we're thinking of kind of maybe a cuff situation. So, yeah, I was looking for the double Yahtzee of John Collins getting traded to yeah. a team where he could play the center and then that would have been ideal. Jalen yeah. and step. The double Yahtzee was, was a beautiful dream that I had. <laughs> um, it ended up not coming to fruition because, like I said, after I dropped McGee, like there's just no blocks. It's really just John Collins and whatever Scotty's chipping in. Um, and so I was looking around, and uh, one of these teams uh, in, like, 23rd, 24th place um, was holding Brooke Lopez, and uh, the blocks were obviously really attractive to me. I wanted to trade for Brooke straight up, but because of the salary cap, where this guy was, we, we couldn't quite get there. And so we ended up having to do a package of um, Brooke Lopez for 6 bucks. Kevin Love for $5 and Bruno Fernando for a dollar um, for my Jalen Johnson at seven, Nikhil Alexander Walker at two, um, which is a, I think that's a price point and a player that I would really like. I think he could have, I referenced it in this jazz piece yeah. that went up today, but I think if they trade really any of those guards that he's going to step in because his defense is so good, Definitely. Uh, especially considering who his fucking teammates are, because <laughs> um, that is not a good backcourt defensively. Right. Um, so it was uh, Jalen Johnson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, and Reggie Bullock. Um, and my first-round pick this year and my second-round pick this year. Um, mostly, you know, a lot of that is salary cap stuff. Like I said, Brooke was really the guy that I wanted. Um, but I needed the threes. I needed the blocks. He did both. Um, you know, Love, obviously, is a, is a really strong rebounder. Also is going to help out from three. Um, I was able to get off of... Uh, Reggie Bullock was, you know, like JaVale, one of these older Mavericks players that just it didn't really work out. Um, I didn't really see it getting much better. I, I had tried to be patient and held out, held out for him. But being able to include him as sort of salary um, was it was a benefit. And and really, I, I was comfortable moving 
my first round, well, really my entire draft this year. Um, because the thing with this league is that, you know, rookies aren't free. You have to create space for them. And because I was up against the cap, um, you know, I had like two-ish dollars in room. I wasn't going to be able to even sign uh, a late first-round pick, which is what I was sort of to have. And so I thought, like, if we're going to go for it, we should actually go for it this year. Um, I think that first-round picks are still going to be valuable down the road. But um, I don't want to have to think about creating salary and creating a roster spot for a guy who's not going to be helpful. And so um, I traded both both picks. Um, and then after that deal was done, you know, Bruno Fernando became the obvious sort of last man on the roster who wasn't terribly helpful for me. I also, after getting Love and Lopez, I was pretty set for centers because Bobby Portis counts as one. Uh, Jackson Hayes counts as one. Um, and so I moved Bruno Fernando and uh, David Duke Jr. for um, for your guy, for your cast off Cameron Payne. Um, <laughs> that was a nice trade. That's a good trade. Thank he'll, you. He'll I appreciate it. Well, I, when I saw that, I was like, "All right, that was good. That was solid." How did you approach? Well, that, how did you approach that team with the trade? Did you, because you identified Brook Lopez, so did you just send something automatic with Brook, or did you contact him, email a message, and be like, "Yo, let's do something"? Or how, yeah, how did that kind of transpire? He was kind of harder to get in touch with. Um, it sounds like he actually sent a message to the to the entire league, talking about a lot of the changes that were going on in his life, about a move mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. Um, we ended up doing a lot of like um, offer counter offer okay. with some notes about it. Um, pretty much everyone that I was dealing with really thought that I was going to go further in than I really wanted to. There was a lot of offers that involved Jeremy Sohan, which I wasn't really interested in doing. Um, There's some other deals um, that were sort of bigger than I wanted. It was like yeah. all the young pieces for all the older pieces. I didn't want to do. I didn't want to do that. Um, and so I approached him because I I knew that he wasn't going to be competing this year. I knew that getting off of some of those older contracts with Lopez and Love would be attractive. I knew that, you know, the younger guys with the potential, um, like Alexander Walker and Johnson, would be attractive. Um, I had to sort of package um, Bullock with the first. And the way that I sort of sold it was that you know, like I was saying, because these picks aren't free, dollars at least $3 worth of cap, of cap space in order to sign your next first-round pick. And because Bullock's salary was $3, I was like, hey, this is a pick that's already paid for. Like, you you can take this pick, cut Reggie Bullock right now, and have enough money to sign this draft pick without having to do anything else on your roster. Um, and that apparently was enough for this guy. I don't know how he's going to incorporate – um, his own first round pick because his pick will be more expensive because of the way the salary cap is is tiered but that is firmly not my problem <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so the, so bullock was a pick that was paid for yeah. and the rest of the the other two pieces were upside plays yeah you know that was uh definitely factored into my calculus as well um i don't i don't want to have dudes like in my debbie spot wasting salary because i felt like <laughs> I want every dollar to translate into some sort of points per minute type of, you know, points per dollar type of situation. Uh, I want it all utilized to, to, you know, as best as I can. And if I'm going to stay young, uh, imagine I'm going to probably try to extend most of these guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's why I felt a little more judicious in 
uh, getting rid of my picks because I, you know I, I don't want these dudes just 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 sitting there. And I figure hopefully, you know, my first round they're not going to be lottery picks, right? So yeah, uh, that yeah that definitely factored into the thinking for me as well. Uh, I'm, I'm man, I'm very I'm so curious to see how. Uh, you know, because it's uncharted territory for all of us, right? So for the, you know, how people approach the rookie drafts, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, Doc Real Flamengo, like he has a pretty good idea of the rookie draft. And also when extension time it comes, like he's freed up, he set his team up to be in a good situation. So, you know, like Jokic, like he's, the dude's not going to, the guy owner of Jokic is not going to extend him for whatever, 90 something dollars. So He's gonna be a free agent, right? And uh, man, you know, like if you have the cap space and there's no one else out there, you may be able to get like a really good deal on him. So uh, yeah, it, it'll be. I, I'm li- really looking forward to see how how that all plays out. Um, you, I, I was a little surprised that you kind of went a little older. Is uh, mm-hmm. so so is that kind of ties into like oh you're gonna go for it type of thing right now? Yeah, so that definitely, it it kind of surprised me too because I didn't think that's where I was going to go. But in reality, you know, I drafted a team that has a lot. I've got uh, sort of just different waves of ages. You know, the the center of this team is Barnes, Murray, and Collins. And all those guys are 25 or younger. So I felt like the core money in place was dedicated to to this year, next year, next contract. Right. I, I could see retaining all three of those players. Um, I was really pleased with what I've seen out of Jeremy Sohan so far. Yeah, the fact that he's playing 30 minutes as a 19-year-old, like, that looks very encouraging to me. But, you know, like, I drafted, even in coming out of the draft, you know, I drafted KCP, who's in his 30s. I drafted Reggie Bullock, who's in his 30s. I drafted JaVale McGee, who's in his 30s. And so... I I definitely wasn't as like uh, dedicated to staying young as you were really at any point. Uh, but I feel like the, the core is pretty young. Yeah. And like I said, I just kept on watching my team rise in the standings and seeing the the value of that pick depreciate. And I, you know, initially I was thinking like that Reggie Bullock would be a guy that I could cut and use that money and spend it on uh, this incoming rookie. But as those, as I kept on getting closer, and as like Murray is rounding into form, um, and really as Scotty Barnes is coming back, he's he's put together a pretty nice couple of weeks here. It looks like he's getting healthier. I mean, I think yeah, you know, and you know, like the the situation in in Toronto, like he's just kind of the point guard without Fred VanVleet, yeah. you know, yeah. and so um, I. I felt like the window was now I didn't I didn't have a, a firm like you have to stay young kind of deal because I, I already was kind of old. Yeah. Um, but the thing that really sealed it for me was that, you know, Brooke and um, and Kevin both do things that I really needed in three point shooting and Brooks shot blocking, you know, with with a 30 team league. Brooke Lopez blocked 10 shots last week. Like that is a, that's a category by himself. That's huge. Um, I would love it if both those guys had contracts in real life beyond this year. Um, but I think that I would be surprised if Brooke went anywhere else 
I imagine he's going to re-sign in Milwaukee because he's such a big part of a championship contending team. Um, and if Kevin Love, you know, if if the cliff approaches for Love sooner rather than later, you know, not this year, but the following year, I'm going to have to pay for a draft pick. Yeah. I'm already up. I'm up against the cap now. Yeah. That's a at five dollars, you can cut Kevin Love and not not be distraught over it. Um, and so I felt like I was able to to get better, um, but without having to sacrifice the entire future or give up, you know, these really prized assets that I have. Um, and, you know, like at 45% of the season gone, being eight games back, I, I think I could get there. I think I could, I think I could catch, maybe I can catch this if it goes, the, the leaders, if it goes well. And once I get into the playoffs, like, I addressed two of the things that this team really doesn't do well. Um, and then being able to add Cameron Payne as more steals, more threes, more assists. We got better. We just, we just absolutely got better. And, you know, if, if we were able to close the gap as a sort of incomplete team, as a team that had Reggie Bullock, as a team that had, um, you know, sort of Jalen Johnson fluctuating and Nikhil Alexander-Walker fluctuating with dead money in the form of David Duke Jr. Okay, you know, like, I don't I don't know what a winning team looks like. I know that this team looks better than it did last week, though, and we were already starting to make a move without having to do anything. So, yeah, I'll take a shot because I don't think that it's going to impact what the next – year looks like or the next year after that um especially if brooke lopez if i can get brooke for all three of his years with him being like a top 150 player at six dollars like the blocks alone are just invaluable you know for sure no you know i was going through your team last night i was like oh man yeah that team looks pretty good <laughs> you uh you filled in a lot of holes yeah, right. was, mm-hmm. you, you know, you called, uh, I don't know what they call it out there, but out here, you know, Caltrans, right? They do all the uh, uh, the street work, you know, fill in the asphalt, you know, the potholes, they come in, you know, fill it all up. Uh, you know, you, you donned the orange jacket, put down the cones, <laughs> stopped the traffic, uh, and made it all nice Wait and smooth. We've got to get some blocks. <laughs> Look, get in here. Um, yeah, no, you did good. Um, no, it was, it, it was a good you know, to hear like kind of your insight, your thinking, like your thought process of, you know, how you were kind of approaching everything. Um, I think, you know, this particular league, it's, it's kind of a different animal in of itself, just because uh, there's a lot of unique aspects to it. Uh, the depth yeah. of the league, um, the, you know, salary cap, uh, a dynasty aspect, you know, the roto aspect, I think they all mm-hmm. kind of factor into it. Um, in terms of, say like a regular league, like the RCLs or, you know, a 12 team league, things like that. Uh, is your kind of mindset approach, at least just fundamentally, like how you approach things, it, does it remain the same or is it different? Uh, and if so, like how? You know, I think, I think there are a lot of, there's a lot of overlap. One of them is like, I think that if you're, if you're in a position where you're not in the money, now is really the time. Like, I think that um, being reactive to where you are in the standings versus how much time is left on the clock is generally a good thing to be aware of. And so, um, you know, 
because because I decided that this is a year that I'm going for it. If you're in a similar position in in redraft leagues or in smaller leagues, I do feel like depending how big of a hole you've got to get out of, um, the timing of it, or the timing of the moves are kind of on the same clock. Um, you know, in general, in general, I don't like to be a guy who's making a lot of trades because the guy who's making a lot of trades is a guy who didn't draft well. <laughs> um, you know, like for the most part, I've been in the leagues that I do well in, I haven't made a move or if I've been making moves, it's been consolidating, uh, you know, two pretty good players into one really good player. Um, but yeah, once like in that writer's league, once it was clear to me that like this wasn't whatever I'd envisioned in the draft wasn't going to hold up, I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to make any move that I think will help improve the team. Um, you know, I've made three trades in that RCL in, uh, in the writer's league RCL. Um, and one of them was a bad one. Uh, the other one is sort of TBD. And I just made another one today as I got Jordan Clarkson back apparently. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which was fine because I traded him for a player that I had just picked up off the wire. Like uh, uh, Patrick Williams wasn't going to stick around anyways. So, um, you know, Jordan Clarkson's a 12-team guy. That that roster is bereft of a lot of 12-team guys. <laughs> Bring him in and see what we can do here. So I feel like I was more aligned in uh, redraft strategy and salary cap strategy this year just because the circumstances uh, sort of forced it. I think if I, you know, if I was closer to the middle of the pack or, you know, if one of these really important pieces for me had continued to scuffle or if, you know, if any of the Barnes, Murray, um, Collins players were looking at a long-term injury, I definitely wouldn't have pushed in the way that I did. I would have, I would have leaned into the, the idea of a slow, of a slow build and maybe look to be a seller rather than a buyer. But because, because I, I have imperfect knowledge of whether or not this team could be good enough to win. And because, um, we were sort of trending that way anyways, I, I felt obliged to really push in, um, though not all the way. I like it. You know, I think, uh, like I said, I think you did a good job. Um, I don't like it from a competitor as a competitor. <laughs> yeah, as someone who's who's watching <laughs> yeah, from, the, from yeah. the top there. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, you know, got me scrambling and pressing buttons and, you know, sending out massive trade offers to everyone else in the league. Uh, no, but it's good. It's good. I think, um, you know, it's uh, you had the vision, you had the insight, you had the plan, right? And I think uh, I think you executed what you what you wanted to do. Um, you know, I think trading, well, okay, well, let me ask you this because a lot of times, like, you know, I get a lot of questions about, you know, this, like, um, well, first off, like, you know, you obviously you're trading for a reason, right? You identify, uh, a player or a player that you no longer want to have on your team or you want to upgrade or just kind of like the general roster construction of your team, right? So from there, you figure that out. So once you figure that out, when you go to uh, look for trades, 
uh, how are you usually approaching it? Are you looking for specific players, stats? Mm. So yeah, let's start there first. So yeah, like. Yeah, well, in this instance, with the the salary cap league, really what I was doing, I was just, I was just going down through the bottom of the standings and looking at who was on those rosters that was on the older end um, because I knew that I had, I knew that between Jackson Hayes at seven bucks, Jalen Johnson at seven bucks and Nikhil Alexander Walker at $2 that I had pieces of uh, youngish players with upside on nice to very nice deals. And so I was just seeing what was available out there, especially as I was watching all these other sorts of trades roll in. I mean, I've got the, the transaction log come in <laughs> and there's two trades on December 1st, one on the 7th, the 10th, the 18th, the 19th, another one on the 19th. Yours was on the 19th, a third one on the 19th. God damn, this is a busy day. Uh, the 20th. Um, <laughs> so like I just I had watched a lot of the the assets change hands and it was mostly from teams sort of towards the bottom there. And so, you know, I wasn't necessarily targeting specific players, but I was looking to see if there were opportunities to turn some of these uh, potentials in, into actuals. Um, and so that's, you know, I was able to identify um, another, t- you know, the team that I ended up doing one of these deals with, like I said, it was in the bottom third. I was looking at the way that their roster was constructed. It didn't seem like um, the future was going to be any time immediately and so they had you know they were going to be working a longer timeline um just looking at the ages of the the people on their roster and i i figured that you know brooks specific skill didn't matter as much to them because they weren't going to be able to to maximize that really great uh block upside and that getting off of of these aged players for people like jaylen johnson um who have got you know a longer timeline to sort of build up would be attractive. So I, I wasn't necessarily looking for specific players or specific stats. I was just trying to get a read of the room. Okay. And then once I saw what what was there, you know, was, I've always known that this team was bereft of blocks. I've known that we are light on shooting, or excuse me, light on three-point shooting. Um, and so, yeah, I, I saw that. And it was, it was really fortunate that two of those players were, were paired together like that in love and Lopez. Um, and then the rest of it was, was making the salary work and figuring how much sort of, uh, draft draft goodies I needed to include to incentivize it. But, um, yeah, it was mostly just like taking a look at the landscape and seeing who would be the people that would be interested in, in moving their timeline from this year to a later one. Right. Um, and from there, that's, that's how that worked out. It was also how that worked out with the pain trade too, of just, um, that was another guy that was a player that, or a, or a manager that you had, had done a deal with. And he had very clearly demonstrated that he was looking to acquire picks, looking to, uh, to build up young assets. Um, so a player, you know, Cameron Payne's 28 years old in real life. He's a young man in basketball terms. He's a fair, fairly young man. Um, but in, in the context of this league, he was way old for that guy's roster. Um, and I thought that the, the additional dimes could not hurt. And so yeah, great price too, uh, four bucks. Like I, 
Yeah, I hated that she got him for four because I I had him for four, <laughs> and I, no, I, I liked him. Say, I liked him at four. <laughs> I don't have to sell you on like the the potential benefits of campaign. You know, backing up thirty seven year old Chris Paul and and just like being able to walk into starters minutes should should that happen. Um, right. Yeah, that that's that's a con. That's a player that I feel like for four dollars he can be on the roster for for three years, no problem. You know. Yeah. No, definitely. I don't know if there's a second contract beyond that, but. I, I feel pretty confident there won't be a second contract for Kevin Love, but again, I'm gonna have to reallocate some of this money to to cash in on those draft on those first round draft picks that I was able to retain. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. I think um, you know, like it. In order to get something, like you got to give something. And I mean, I mm-hmm. know sometimes I fall, you know, into the. Uh, the trap of yeah, let me just try to get rid of my shittiest players and you know try to upgrade. Uh, and yeah, I still do it to this you know to this day. And you know, I mean, granted, you gotta try right at some point sometimes. But you know, at the same time, um, you know, you also have to understand like, I guess one thing I've been trying to get better at is trying to put my mind into into the uh, the owner, other owner, right? Absolutely. Kind of like you know, like what does their team look like? Uh, you know, granted, I don't do it all the time. I, I know, you know, I'm, I'm human, right? I, I get, I get sucked into it, but, uh, I think that's really important when it comes to trading, like just kind of, you know, how you identify the teams that are probably want to go younger, right? Uh, not going to be in it and just trying to get a general idea of like where that team is, what they need. Uh, yeah. I think that, you know, not only does it help like just negotiations, but it shows a, a level of respect, right? Like to the other uh, other owner, um, and then you know obviously, you know we've been talking about like luck a lot the last few weeks. Um, you know, not every offer or trade that you send or scenario that you send like is not going to work out. And you know I think a lot of people have to realize like um, it takes two to tangle, and like like things the stars have to align, right? Like you know you have to want a player there, but then at the same time. You know they have to want someone from you right like it has to be a two-way street and i think a lot of people like sometimes i hear like i offered this and like you know you know the guy didn't take it like what a fool i'm like well you know like maybe he doesn't like that player you know we all value players differently or maybe he didn't you know want to make that move i mean just you know i was you know i was on a pod the other night and we're talking kind of about like talking about the hubris of of mankind sometimes we think we know we know what mm-hmm. the future is going to bring or sometimes we we feel like we know what a player's value is and so therefore you know because i think that that should be the fundamental truth of that player's value but in when in reality it's not because everybody values players differently right so um i think the one main disrespectful thing like I don't get tilted much when it comes to trade. Like I don't care if you send me offers, that that's cool. Like you're trying, whatever. Like all that's I, I don't care. But the one thing that does tilt me off is, you know, if I get sent an offer, and um, I explain to that person why, I mean, you know, I'm not feeling this offer, right? But then they completely disregard what I said, and then come back and send a similar, you know, a similar offer or mm-hmm. like that just tilts my face off. <laughs> right? It's just like, it, don't do that. Yeah. That, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just very disrespectful, you know? Um, 
you know, like, you know, one, you know, there's one that used to always kind of annoy me, but now I, I chuckle, but it's like people send the offer and then they send me a message of like trying to sell me on why I should consider or make this trade. And right there, my antenna goes off. Uh, like the fact that you need to sell me on something, you know, it's like, like, all right, like obviously you're coming at me with an angle, right? So why are you like <laughs> trying to sell me? I'm like, well, yeah, just let, you know, let's have discussions. Right. But like, don't yeah. try to be like, be a, evidence yeah, why this is valuable. Yeah, like, don't try to, you know, be like a used car salesman, you know, but uh, I, I'm more talk on that. But yeah, to me, the more, you know, it's just like once you clarify or, or tell someone where you're coming from and then they disregard that and continue to come at you the same way. Uh, I think that's yeah, that to me, that's the worst. But um, <laughs> what, what tilts you off? You know, I. Uh when you were talking i was just like i uh, i've sent those deals uh, <laughs> i've sent them too yeah <laughs> well and you know like the, especially the explaining thing because like i don't i'm not sure where i'm just not sure on with some people like where they see their team or how they view where they're at um and the salary cap component of this and because you know so many teams drafted to the cap yeah um you know i'm not I'm not sure how front of mind it is that like, you know, everyone, not everyone, there is a, there has been certainly like a scramble to acquire draft assets and because they're not free, you also have to have a, a an idea of how you're going to afford all of these draft picks that you've got. And so I approached someone that was sort of middle, middle of the pack when I was trying to flip Bruno Fernando. I was like, look, he's younger than the player that I'm asking for. And I don't know what you're thinking about with, uh, you know, how you're going to be able to afford these picks that you've got. But, like, if you've got a top 15 pick, it's going to be, like, six bucks. The cap relief that you would get and me taking back the more expensive player while you getting the younger $1 player could be valuable to you. Um, and that trade was rejected immediately, as it should have. I wouldn't have made that deal either. But, um, you know, that that's the sort of thing where – you know, the idea of like pitching or, or selling, like that was something that I included in my, in my note when I traded Reggie Bullock is like, it's not just Reggie Bullock. It's a paid first round pick. And that's, this is why, why it's valuable to you along with these other two players that I think could be good players. But yeah, no, I, um, I, I definitely had, I had a moment uh, around this time last year where I, I didn't comport myself well, um, I, w- I had been invited to a different to a league that already existed. I was taking over a banded team, and uh, there's a guy in that group that apparently is notorious for sending just like terrible offers. Um, and I I was uh, I was emotionally reactive, and I thought that he was he was being rude to me as the new guy of going like, well, give me your two best players for my two worst players, and I'm going to send this offer to you without any context. I'm just like, what? the fuck is this man and uh turns out that's just like the way that he does things and everyone in the league sort of laughs about it but but i was um you know as the new guy i was feeling defensive and that i had to sort of uh demonstrate my my whatever and uh but I, yeah I, there were a couple of moments in that league that i would like to have back i'm just like they weren't really talking about you joel but <laughs> uh no i hear you, you, know. you know like yeah i mean i've I've never really like gotten tilted when people send me trash offers. Um, mm. But I understand why 
you know, it, you know, people get angry on that, right? Um, personally, like, you know, but I, you know, I've, I've done the passive aggressive thing, like, you know, respond back counter with a, a totally trash armor myself. An even worse yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, you know, like I, I, I've done that. Um, but usually, you know, yeah, I, I guess I look at it like this, like, I guess he, you know, at least the dude is trying, you know, and. Um, that does open up the door to something, right? So, mm -hmm. so you know, sometimes I'll just, you know, disregard it. But most of the time, I will look, I will try to look for a counter because I think, I think most people, uh, if you know, like everybody approaches things different way. I, I think we've harped on this pod about that, just on every facet of life, right? And so, like when it comes to trading, I think some people they go into a negotiation because they don't want to show all their cards. So they want to try to lowball and they, and you know, some people get mad that people are lowballing, which, which is fine. I, I, I understand that perspective. You know, the way that I look at it is like, Hey, someone just tr trying to buy cheap. Right. And it's not my fault if someone else is a sucker or whatever. Right. Um, you know, but they just, you know, I understand the perspective of, I want to try to acquire, you know, this cheap as, as cheap as possible. And mm -hmm. then, you know, if it's through negotiations, if we, the price elevates and we come to an equilibrium, then so be it. Granted, some people don't even want to get to that point where to mm -hmm. find an equilibrium, which is fine. Cause then you realize, okay, like th this type of owner is this type of owner, right? He's, he doesn't want to negotiate. He just wants to lowball, which is fine. So then that's how you kind of deal with them. But I think more mm -hmm. often than not, you know, if somebody's willing to send out trash offers, that means they are willing to trade, right? And, They're looking. Right. So, yeah. So more often than not, like, there can be some sort of, you know, negotiation. So, I, you know, I, I do feel like rather than getting angry and tilted about that, like, um, you know, maybe try, right, to, to counter or whatnot. And then, you know, if you come to the realization, like, yeah, then, the, you know, the guy's just being an asshole, whatever, then, all right, he's an asshole. And then... And then, yeah, then it's just off. like then you just block them basically, right? But um, I, I, I don't think. I think that's very few, to be honest. You know, like I, I think most people will be willing to to talk and and, and negotiate, and you know, just kind of gotta warm them up a little bit, buy them a drink, you know, wind them a dime a little <laughs> bit, you know, take them out of the town. Just tell me, so, yeah. tell me about your dad. Yeah. What's your family like? <laughs> you know, but um. Uh, when um some people give it a you know fine like like you know you go to the swap meet like all right low ball right you counter right you counter the counter and then boom right like some so some people have like kind of rigid structures on that when you're discussing trades with somebody is there kind of like some sort of strategy like you know like low ball here i'm gonna offer here so that we meet in the middle or is it just kind of just mm -hmm. an organic fluid thing for you like how do you approach that it really depends on like how much contact I have with this person beforehand. Okay. I generally like to send a message ahead of time about like, Hey, I'm interested in this player. These are the sorts of things that I'd be interested in giving back. Do you have any interest in doing that? Um, most of the time I feel like a deal is negotiated before anyone sends an offer out. Um, okay. with this most reason with that one with, with Brooke and, and all that group, uh, because he was harder to get in touch with, it really was. I had to do a lot of, um, how about this? I don't like that counter. How about this? Um, and in those kinds of deals where like the only time, the only point of contact is with an offer, 
I do think that you need to be a little bit more reserved. Right. You know, I wouldn't. I agree. Like when when that offer went through um, for Lopez and Love and Fernando, I was excited because I didn't. I thought that there was a potential that that could be countered again. I didn't. I didn't know if I was going to have to reach deeper in the bag. I thought that maybe Reggie's in, inclusion into this that he wasn't going to going to be interested in in my it's a paid for pick pitch and that you know i would i would have to re-finagle a deal and i think you know realistically i i probably could have gotten to a a different place if push came to shove but um you know i for the most part i try to try to get that stuff taken care of ahead of time and so that i'm not doing the well here's your here's my worst offer here's the next installment here's the next installment because i find to be kind of um, kind of an antagonistic approach that that you. can rub people the wrong way. I, I I do try to be sort of a, a more accommodating and feel where you are before any real offer is made because I, I do think like just one offer we re, we we settled on it. Yeah, here we go. Okay. Yeah, you know that's that's the thing. What about you, man? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I can be a dick sometimes, <laughs> um, but I can be a dick like by. <laughs> you know, not consciously being a dick, right? Just, you know, like a, a perfect example is like in, in another football league, you know, there's there's an owner, like he's very active, um, but super sharp guy. Uh, and he has like really uh, set values on his players. And I respect him because he's very disciplined in his values, right? And so... Mm. So for me, I'm I'm definitely more lax when it comes to it. I'm like, all right, we'll throw in this, we'll throw in that, you know, whatever. But you know, he's like, you know, he's just on such a level where he's like, well, this pick I value at here, and this player I value at here, and then if you're, you know, so a lot of times like we'll we'll talk, and like, you know, we'll probably go back and forth maybe two or three times, you know, like all right, I'll add this, we'll add this, blah blah blah, and then. A lot of times what ends up happening i'm like well all right let me move up this whatever pick a fourth round to a third round pick and like it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like that big of a deal right but for him because his values are so structured he's like no i don't want to you know and then so then he's willing to you know scrap a deal like that so um i guess you know my main point is that like every owner is different right mm-hmm. like it's just I mean, it really is, that's what kind of makes it fun and frustrating at the same time, right? Because you have to deal with so many different personalities and you have to understand the different personalities, right? So a lot of times I think, uh, you know, we you go into quote-unquote negotiations, uh, and especially on the internet, it makes it more difficult because you don't yeah. know the guys, right? It's right. So it's a lot easier when you have personal interactions with people and then you can kind of figure out, uh, you know, what kind of person they are. But I think even like, you know, through internet, faceless, you know, whatever, lack of communication type of interactions, like uh, you can kind of get a feel after a while, right? But that just takes time, right? That just takes time, the feeling yeah. process. And, um, and you know, what, once again, I mean, harken back to uh, just the, the variability of, you know, fantasy, you know, hoops, you know, even when it comes to trading. Right. Like there's no, you know, like that's why like a lot of times like people are like, well, you know, here's my roster. I want to trade this guy because or what do you think about this trade? 
player X for player X. And I'm like, well, I mean, <laughs> I need context, right? Yeah, what are you trying to do? Yeah, like, like, not only what you're trying to do, but then also what's, like, your league context? What's your owner context? And, like, I know it, it gets annoying, but, like, it really is important. It, you know, it really is. You know, like, like, knowing the owner, especially, you know, not just how their team is structured, but, you know, what they're trying to do, where they are in the standings, right? Uh, but personality, you know, I mean, I just gave an example of this other guy in the football league, right? Like, you know, now that I know that, like, you know, in future type of deals, like, right, that's, I mean, it's like poker, right? That's an like information, like, how do they, you know, react? How do they play certain hands, right? And so then it makes it a lot easier, a lot smoother to, to deal with it. You know, like in our dynasty league, like, there's a few guys that, like, I have a lot of interactions with, and so I kind of know like how they approach things you know what their kind of mechanisms and nuances are uh and you know how to approach you know how to kind of approach them if it comes to you know trade type stuff and you know this is not to say that i'm perfect because i'm far from it because i you know i i fall into the trap of you know here are my shittiest players <laughs> you know like here you know and you know like i i, I do that stuff I, i'm sure i annoy a lot of people too um but I do try, you know, I do try to have some sort of awareness and, and, and figure it out. And um, so, you know, people out there listening, you know, if I've ever annoyed you or, <laughs> or you know, sent like the the stuff out there, like, you know, I apologize. Uh, you know, sometimes I just I just do shit. But you know, more often than not, like I do try to be kind of, you know, respectful and just have a certain awareness. But, you know, it is difficult, right? Because everybody's different. For sure. Yeah, everyone's different. Every situation is different. So, um, you know. That's the beauty of it, but at the same time, that's it's the annoying part of it too. You know, you know, like like you and I, you know, we had some interactions too. Uh, mm -hmm. We had some interactions too, and I wish I would have gotten you drunk early on when you were kind of like, oh, I'm not feeling this team, and you know, I could have made some trades, you know. Um, but you know, you were more the wise, uh, and you know, you you held off and, and look where you are. But even in our brief interactions, you know, there like. Um, I could kind of get a sense of, you know, how you approach things, how you look at things, right? Mm -hmm. How to, how you deal with things. Um, you know, there, well, well, let me, let me ask you this though, because, uh, because we pot together and because, you know, we have that, that type of like, uh, interaction outside of the league. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, do you sometimes feel like you're walking on eggshells? Like sometimes I feel like. You kind of be like, you want to be like, yo, like, F off, son, <laughs> you know? But at the same time, you know, like, you can maybe like, ah, uh, right? Or no? No, I mean, I don't feel like that okay. with you and I. That I mean, I, I think that um, if anything that you have a, we have a greater understanding of what the other, per, of how the other person values a player because we're right. in contact more often. Yeah. I think at this point, you know, I prefer Trey Jones to Cole Anthony. I think it's just, it's just been established. Yeah. <laughs> I've said no to Cole Anthony enough times. For sure. Yeah, we talked about um, that. And it makes sense. I get it. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, I, yeah, I feel like that's like the real, if, if there's something to be said about like, you know, knowing this other person uh, better than, you know, the rest of the league nights, so you understand like what their tendencies are, what their, what the sort of players they like or dislike or, you know, um, that's, that's sort of the, the only way that I sort of feel about it. But, um, 
I'm curious, you know, I, I don't mind being the guy who's answering questions, but I do have, I do have one that I want to send out your way because, um, you know, we were talking about sort of like the emotional response to things. Has there been a deal that you've made in this league that you uh, felt a bite of regret about? Uh, in, the, or, in the salary cap league? Mm-hmm. Uh, or do you feel, let me... are you, are you racked with guilt about anything that you've done or, or worry? I personally, while you, while you consider that, will say that like, this like Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jalen Johnson thing could really backfire. <laughs> I think mm. I think there's a world that exists where like uh, Mike Conley gets traded, Nikhil Alexander Walker's playing like 28 minutes a game by the end of the season. Um, he's two dollars and 25 years old. Um, you know there there are things that need to happen for them to sort of be unlocked, but there's enough potential upside with both Alexander Walker and Johnson. And, you know, whatever could be found from from a first round pick that like going for the older love and Lopez uh, could, especially if there's no money that comes out of this season, like that could be a, a short sighted deal by someone who didn't really who had a misconception of where they were in the standings. Well, I mean, the way that I answer that question is that uh, that means it was a good deal. Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, because I feel like the best type of trade is one that's mutually beneficial. So the fact that, uh, you know, there are paths where you, you know, have regret where you would benefit the other, you know, like team more, uh, you know, that means it probably got to a point where you know, a place of equilibrium, right, where kind of both both parties benefited. And because there's paths to upside and downside both ways, right? And I feel like those are the best trades because that means, you know, you had to give up something in order to get something, right? And, you know, as much as we want to, you know, like rip people off and like, you know, you know, do all that stuff, like um, those are usually not the best trades, you know? And, mm. you know, like, I mean, obviously our goal, you know, is, yeah, to get something for nothing, right? But, um yeah, so, you know, like, when I'm just looking, I, I've only made, what, one trade in this league. I mean, I've sent out thousands <laughs> out there. But, um, yeah, you know, like, even this one, like, yeah, there's there's regret in this one. You know, like, I mean, mm-hmm. I drafted Sadiq Bey for a reason in the draft. Uh, he's super young, right? I mean, he can get buckets. I mean, he scored 50 last year, right? And, That's um, true. You know, Cameron Payne, four bucks, you know, assists. And, you know, I gave up two ones i think that's that's pretty hefty price right and you know so maybe regret maybe uh changing one of those ones uh to something else uh so Mm. that's probably probably my biggest regret there but uh i feel like it was okay because the assets that i got like i really like them um and they kind of fit we did talk about this a few days ago um Maybe I should have used one of those ones to maybe shore up some uh, rebounds, or because I'm I'm pretty. That's probably my weakest category, um, but part of the thinking was maybe, you know, just. And and I think this is one thing that I've been getting from, uh, like Jenicky a lot, uh, that that I've learned over the last year is like, dude, just like talent usually wins out, like you know, go for talent. Uh, and then deal with deal with shit later, 
right? Because mm-hmm. if you get guys that are talented, like they're gonna play, they're gonna ball out, they're gonna be assets, whether for your team or you know they can be tradable assets too. And then you know yeah. for him, you know it's like get young, right? Like be young, like you know because older player gets right the the uh, the duration on his viability. Right and his trade value decreases as as time goes on. It's like that inverse relationship. So, yeah. um, I felt like I accomplished that. You know, I, I I got young. I got guys that, you know, are assets. But you know, if there's probably one thing, you know, from that trade, it's you know, it's it's, it's probably that. Right? Maybe, um, maybe I could have focused more on uh, an obvious weakness of mine. Uh, and you know, maybe I did pay a little bit too much. Maybe, but. Uh, you know, at the same time, like, it's like, hey, I mean, I, like, you know, kind of what referencing your trade, like, I had to give up. Right? I had to give up stuff to get stuff, you know, yeah. and, you know, not only, and maybe my perspective is a little um, different than yours because I'm commissioning the league. So, you know, it's also for me, it's not just, you know, my team, but kind of like the long term viability of the league. And I think the one. The main reason why I wanted to do the salary league, well, there's a couple reasons, but one was uh, I thought it'd be a cool idea, but then two, uh, just you know how the structure of the salary cap in of itself just enforces trades automatically, right? There's it, yeah. it, it's it's very hard to rip somebody off, you know, like um, as much as you try, like it, it it's hard. I think. You know what makes it also better is I think the owners that we have in this league, like um, most of them are, you know, pretty sharp dudes on top of stuff. You know, and and they're really engaged, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that makes it better. So having engaged owners, having smart engaged owners, and then having the salary cap, just all of that enforces it where, um, like, there's not going to be bullshit trades, <laughs> you know, uh, and so you know, you know, which is great. So yeah. That, that, that's where I stand on it, Joe. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. Um, I'm really curious to see how this all plays out. It's, um, yeah, you know, because it's a it's a league I've never played in, a, a size I've never played in. Like, I just don't, I just don't know what a winning team looks like. Um, but I'm, I am very excited about this. Which is good, considering how bad my Raz Jam team is, and not, there's enough like bad teams that I can stop paying attention to, or or being as like deeply engaged with. Yeah, and uh, so many. Said I can live and die on uh, on you know Jackson Hayes getting into the rotation here. You know, like it's uh, it it's I'm I'm really invested in this group. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um, you know, obviously that. You know, it kind of filters that way. You know, like your more successful teams, you put more energy into it, right? And you and you focus more, Absolutely. more into it. You know, it's just funny. I I have so many shitty teams, you know. But um, yeah, so this is one of my. Uh, this definitely has a lot a lot more focus on mine as well, uh, which is good. But um, in terms of trading, like, are there any other thoughts or any of the kind of insights that you that you had and wanted to kind of uh, spread out to there to the world? I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I had anything like bullet pointed um, for this, but you know, I do think that sort of reemphasizing the idea of like, if you can be in touch with the person that you're trying to deal with and 
And I do think that if you can understand what it is that they're trying to get out of it too, it'll make you a better trading partner of just, um, as opposed to doing the, the, the something for nothing. If you can, if you can understand, put yourself in the position of that other person and, uh, and sort of figure out what are the things that they are hoping to accomplish, um, then it makes whatever pieces that you have, um, you can see them more clearly as something of, this is an asset. This is not something that's interesting. This is something that has a little bit of, of shine to it that you might need to polish up. Um, you know, I, I do feel like trying to be a, a communicative and like uh, understanding partner is definitely something helpful. But, you know, I, uh, you know, I might have made a bad deal. So, maybe, you know, maybe you don't listen to me. <laughs> but, you know, it's like what you always say, like having a plan is also really is really important. And over the course of me doing these these trade these two trades of the last week, um, there definitely were like a lot of conversations about trying to include future picks of mine. Um, and I think that being able to understand what what the value is in that and, and being understand the the larger context of like you have to you have to pay for these picks. When do you want to pay? How are you going to pay? Who are the players that, you know, if you make this deal, who are the players that you're going to be dropping theoretically for for cap room? Is that something that you're comfortable with? Like that was one thing that, you know, when I was sniffing around for campaign, there were other players in that price range. That was, that was what determined it is I had like $2 and 30 cents worth of, um, of cap room available for me. So I was looking to, you know, Fernando's $1 salary was going out. I could afford a $3 player or maybe a $4 player if I include David Duke and just like, where is, where is Duke factoring into this? Is that the, what the ideal way to spend a dollar on and that roster spot? Um, you know, just trying to be a little bit more thorough about all the thinking as opposed to sort of what you were saying earlier, being a little bit more slapdash about like, ah, well, you know, like if not this, then this, you know, I, I really felt like, uh, there were cards, there was a hand to play here um, with Johnson and Jackson yeah. and Alexander Walker. And what are the, what are the way, what are the very best ways that I can turn those into, to something, including this pick. Um, yeah. You know, like I was, I was looking at like Joe Ingalls to be the Cam Johnson guy and just like, or the campaign guy. And just like, I looked at Ingalls too. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't do that. Especially because I just, <laughs> I keep on acquiring bucks, just like maybe yeah. <laughs> I, I I did the thing where like I looked ahead at their schedule. Like, do they have like a two game week in the playoffs? Cause that would be an awful thing to do to trade without having looked ahead. But, um, but no, just like, you know, I could afford pain. He's younger. He does, he does the same things that Ingles does, but he does them better. He has a more, he has a clearer path to potentially more minutes. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, think about it, I guess, is, is the ultimate piece of advice here with trading. It's like really try to think it all the way through if you can. And uh, time will tell if I if I effectively thought it all the way through or not. Well, okay, so let me ask you this then. Um, if the trade does not go your way, how, how do you react to it? Like what's your emotional response to it? Um, you know, I... I have, when you were talking about like the guy that has like a very set understanding of values, I think that like it's important to know what your price point is ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like when I was doing this 
this negotiation for for pain there was like back and forth about seconds and like what would you want would you be willing to kick this in um for this and i at that point like i was i was ready to make the deal that i had offered for pain um if we wanted to like uh play around with second round picks i had a, a thing specifically in mind that um a counter that would work for me and I also felt prepared, like, if that's not going to work, then, like, I can go pursue these other options. Mm-hmm. Then then I can actually go, you know, turn some stones on Joe Ingles. But, um, you know, that's the thing to keep in mind is, like, you know, not trying to get browbeat into doing a deal that you don't want to do because you made a deal, you made an offer, the counter came back away that, that you didn't want or there, it was flat out rejected, knowing that there are, you know, what your actual price point is, um, ahead of time will sort of keep you from having a, a emotional response to that that is not going to be ultimately very fruitful you know just like being able to know what your your price sincerely is do, do you feel like you always have to win the trade i don't think that i don't i think there's a very real possibility that the trade that i made i lost okay. you know so so um i have to i have to be able to feel like what i have done um is going to help in one way or another. Uh, to, to me, that's... But, you know... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I just, like, you know, I think about, like, what winning the trade means. And, like, I, it's so... You know, if Brooke Lopez gets hurt and, like, blessings upon him that he does not, um, then I lost the trade, you know? And so... Or I was thinking about, like, the... I made a deal in that Writers League this year that caused a bunch of scuttlebutt that a lot of people thought was... Uh, unfair, um, and I wasn't even the guy that pitched it. That <laughs> <laughs> was pitched to me, and I was just the guy who said right. yes. And and the way that worked out is like, um, you know, DeAndre Ayton was a better player than Scotty Barnes for a month, three weeks, something like that. So, you know, there, you can definitely have conceptions of who wins and who loses a trade, but like that's all hindsight. I don't know. I don't know if you can, if you can plant your flag and say like, I will not do this unless I know I'm going to win. Like, I just don't know how you can operate with that kind of like certainty in your knowledge. I certainly don't have it. I mean, that's, that's goes back to like the hubris part I was talking about earlier. Um, and this is why I'm totally against vetoing trades because, Mm. uh, I think so many of us, I mean, I just think in general, you know, uh, know, mankind, like we always have a certain hubris where we think we know, right and yeah. like we don't know we cannot predict the future like we do like all we can do is just you know look at the probabilities and look at the range of outcomes and just try to put ourselves in the best positions right to to whatever uh to you know be successful or, or you know to have good things have positive things come into our life right but mm-hmm. i mean a lot of times like i mean you see it all the time a trade looks terrible right but then it ends up being right like the best the best thing right you know obviously it takes time for some sometimes it takes time for it to manifest but um i think you know what you were saying earlier this is like what i truly believe too like um i don't need to win a trade to me if i feel like i'm making my team better that's that's all that matters it really is it's all that matters and then you know i do try to you know make it so that it's mutually beneficial Right. And, mm-hmm. and part of that is for that. It kind of opens up avenues for future. 
right? Not just with that particular owner, because you know, but then also other owners, like they'll see like okay, and then they'll be kind of maybe be more willing to discuss things or or talk about things. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you know, sometimes I'm I'm a dick. Sometimes I'll admit it, right? And, and that kind of closes <laughs> it off. But I do try to be more open minded, you know. But, um, you know, like there's some guys that I know in other leagues. Um, you know, and this is outside of the the owner I was talking about from the football perspective. Um, like I, I have a lot of respect for that guy. Um, but there's other guys. Not to say that I don't respect them. I just don't agree. Right? I just <laughs> I just don't respect them as yeah, much as I respect I other mean, people. I just don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree with their philosophy. But but that's okay, right? Because we all have different right strategies. We all have different opinions. And so I'm not I'm not like trying to hate on them. I'm just saying that's not the way I would do it, right? But there's some people where like they have to win the trade, right? Like right? It's, yeah. the, it's the total value thing and like they'll look at the trade calculators trade charts and they'll be like no i'm losing it by two points so i'm not gonna you know make the trade and you know like i guess i get it because maybe i don't know that when i've tried to think about it i feel like like they need that crutch kind of or like mm-hmm. that that push right to to make to tell them like it's okay to make the trade type of thing I, I don't know what it is. That's just, you know, when I try to think of it, because I can't understand it, right? But, I mean, there's a lot of people like that, you know? And I feel like it's... I feel like it's detrimental, but at the same time, you know, it goes back to our whole thing, right? Everybody's different. Everyone's different styles. Mm-hmm. So, right, like my perspective, my strategy, my style is not going to be applicable to somebody else because if you are more conservative in nature right like that's just your emotional and, and you know philosophical viewpoint then of then that kind of style or strategy you know it fits more for you right that, that's yeah. probably the way that you do want to go so I, I understand that like i said i just don't agree with it but you know like i just feel like though it closes off so many doors and so many opportunities right and and yeah. i think at the end of the day like yeah like you know, you want to put yourself in the best position, you know, to make your team better. And if you're going to close yourself up, well, the whole trading game, like it's, it's a tough game, right? You're not going to win a hundred percent. Right. So, um, like if you're, I mean, if you're going to try to try to bank on efficiency of trades, that's tough, right? <laughs> it's tough. So yeah. to give yourself the best chance, I feel like, <clears throat> The more trades are married. And that, that's not to say that, you know, just trade just to trade. Because there's some people on the other extreme. They, they're just junkies, right? And they just want to trade, 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 right? Yeah, looking for yeah, action. Yeah, it's just, you know, junkie, yeah, action junkies. And, you know, kind of alluding to what you were saying earlier, like like having a plan, right? I think if you have a plan and then, you know, that'll do it. But um, just, you know, keeping yourself open to the ideas. And, and I don't know, like maybe, you know, the guys that like, you know, need to truly win a trade or, or value are, are so tied to the value is maybe because uh, they're scared of making a mistake or they're scared it's of fear. Lose. Yeah, it's fear, right? That, 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 that's fear. the conclusion that I came to, right? But like, you cannot let fear, I don't think you can let fear, um, you know, be the motivating factor on doing or not doing something because like I said, it closes you off yeah. to so many opportunities. And then, you know, also, uh, the only way to learn I, last week's our last you know, pod you know making mistakes is healthy 
right? Like you learn, like, mm-hmm. you know, the shitty trades that I made in the, my other Danacy team, like looking back on it, like, I just want to, I want to vomit. I want to puke when I just think of it. Oh. And like, you know, of course, other people in that league, they, you know, they constantly reminded me of, <laughs> so that makes it even worse, but yeah, they got the receipts. Yeah, they got the receipts and, and it, I puke every single time. But, you know, at the same time, like, you know, you have to go through those experiences, right? And like, it helped me in this league because, you know, it, it stopped me from pursuing certain trades that I probably would have made if I didn't have that experience, yeah. right? And so, um, yeah, no, I, I thought about that a lot. Um, I thought about almost every component of what you just said over the course of, of that deal that I just did for, for Lopez and Love because, like, I was, was driving to pick up the dog and my I have a watch that will buzz when I get a, a notification. And the notification said that like, the trade went through. And my immediate response was like, great. I I, I thought he was gonna ask okay. for more. This is this is perfect. I'm so I'm so so pleased. And over the course of like driving to the place and picking up the dog and driving back, <clears throat> I went through the process of like, shit, <laughs> I might have given up too I much, man. If he had if he took that deal, why didn't I give him a worse one? You <laughs> right, know? Right. Um, and then I was, I was like scrambling in my mind, just like, oh man, you, you gave up too much, man. Like the, the picks and like, oh my God, Nikhil Alexander Walker is the only good defensive player in the entire Utah backcourt. He's going to start by the end of the year. That's $2 salary. could have been yours forever, blah, blah, blah. And then I remember just like, you know, part of the reason why there's, so much interest in this in this league for me and so much uh it's getting so much of my attention because like i just don't know i mean i'm in the process of finding out what what a winning team looks like and whether or not i have one and like if that if that trade doesn't do it i'll have learned i'll have learned exactly. what you know yeah. what you can do and what you can't do and eventually sort of you know came to the conclusion of just like well the experience of like playing this and doing this like wouldn't you rather, would you feel worse having not made the trade and, or would you feel better having not made the trade and keeping the kill Alexander Walker and holding precious these like potential gems, whatever, um, and believing in like the fact that you were right before and not wrong by, uh, by trading away, or would you rather play, you know? Cause I, like I said at the earlier portion of this, like I do think there's an opportunity here. I, I don't think it would be impossible to walk away having gotten some piece of, uh, you know, of a championship out of this or some piece of the money involved in this. And like, well, isn't that what you're doing? You know, so much has to go right yeah. to be in a spot for you to to be able to make that kind of deal to push you further in. To not do it because you're scared that like of what Nikhil Alexander Walker and Jalen Johnson could one day be. I don't know. That feels like a kind of paralyzed way to go through this experience, especially if the worst thing that happens is you don't win, which is going to be experience for like 29 other people. You know, you'll just be another person like this. And if you do this, you still might not win. So like, when do you, when do you want to win? When do you want to play? Yeah. Uh, no, I hear you. You know, it's uh, that, that gets me to thinking it's like sometimes when um, I come to kind of an impasse mentally, like whether I get, you know, I become paralyzed with whether to go one way or the other. Usually my tiebreaker is, well, uh, if it goes against me 
and I start tilting my face off, I'm not I'm not making the trade or I'm not doing it, right? But mm-hmm. if I come to a place where I'm totally at peace and be like, well, all right, if this guy, you know, whatever, I theoretically I traded a young guy away and he ends up blowing blown up. Uh, if I'm fine with if I, you know, if I'm able to watch like whatever Sports Center or whatnot, and I see him going off, and I'm emotionally be like, okay, all right, right, it is what it is. Then to me, I've got I've got I've come to a place where uh, I guess a place of acceptance, and then it's like mm-hmm. okay, then then I make the trade, right? Because, uh, you know, not only, I guess the mental thought process of it, but then I think more importantly, you know, sometimes the emotional component of it too, right? Uh, because, you know, I, I realized like, like when you get tilted, then in future actions, you, you don't deal with it from an objective, you know, mind, mind point, right? You, it's clouded with, which is bad shit, right? So, um, <clears throat> I don't know. I think like the perfect example is like, uh, my, my baseball team, I got lucky, <clears throat> I think like last year, yeah, last year, like fifth round pick, uh, and then this guy, you know, just started blowing up in the minors. And then he just started rocking it up the prospect list and, and things like that. And, you know, they're basically like comparing them to like Ronald Acuna type type player, right? And like, you know, I think my team is pretty competitive, right? And so, um, you know, this guy is probably, I don't know, I mean, he could be up next year. He's just skyrocketing so fast, but you know, probably a couple years, right? But, you know, I think, you know, obviously baseball is a different animal because the hit rate on prospects, I mean, the range of outcomes is just so fucking wide, right? So that definitely, you know, factors into the calculus. But, you know, he, I ended up trading him away for, you know, this guy, Seiya Suzuki, you know, whatever, he's 28 years old, super solid player, maybe not superstar, mm-hmm. but, you know, really good player. And, you know, I feel like, uh, you know, last year was kind of his transition year. And, you know, I think right, there's, there's a little bit of upside there from what he showed last year. So... But the way, I mean, I was debating it for a long time. You know, I was like, man, but this guy could be a fucking Acuna, right? And I could have him for a decade, right? But then, yeah. you know, it, it eventually got to the point where I was just talking about. I was like, well, if he turns into Acuna and, you know, the guy I traded for, whatever. Well, at least, you know, he does what he does. But he's not, not like spectacular. But mm-hmm. I got to a place where I'm like, yeah, it's okay because I, you know, at the time, you know, I felt like it was the right thing to do. I felt like it makes my team better, and and you know, factoring in the probabilities and the risk reward outcome of everything, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And then if he blows up, he blows up. Hey, you know, then yeah. kudos to the other guy that traded for him because you know he he took on that risk, right? So, you know, then then it's all good. So then so now, it's, it's cool if he turns into the Hall of Famer. Yeah, it'll, it, I mean, I'm human, right? Like, it's going to sting a little bit. Yeah, you know, so much you're rooting. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, you know, not, I don't want him to, like, tear an ACL or anything. Like, I, I do want to see him do well, right? But, um, and it will sting a little bit, right? Because then you start thinking, like, it's that's the learning process, too, right? Then you yeah, go back and bit. try to break down everything and then try to figure out, you know, was the, you know, the calculations right, the risk-reward, like, was I looking at everything? Um, but, you know, so that, that that's part of it. But, you know, at the time, you know, Hey, you know, it, it's okay because it, the information that I had at that time and the time that I spent breaking it down, you know, I was able to get to a certain place and then it's good. But if I was like, you know, if I would just like tilt my face off, if he did, then I know that I don't make the trade, 
right? Because yeah, yeah. so okay. Sorry for that rant, but no, it's. I mean, it's uh, it's what it's what we're doing here, I think. So I I I get that, man. And uh, you know, I I'm not mad at Jalen Johnson to be a nice person. <laughs> <laughs> not mad at him. Uh, not mad at him. Uh, I, yeah, man. I this this is this is uh, this is what we're trying to do, though. You know, like um, these are hard choices when you're when you're invested in it and you want it to go well and you, you put thought in it. Like these are, these are the kinds of decisions that, uh, that you're presented with. And so having some kind of approach or some kind of like tools in your toolbox that you can use to, to try to help you sort through, what do I do with the, the mega prospect in relation to, you know, the guy that can help me win now. And like, how do you value winning? How do you value long-term winning? Are you gonna? Are you operating from a fear mindset? Are you operating from a, a position where you feel like you can be at peace if you're wrong? It's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. Have no fear. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. Sweep the leg. <laughs> Sweep the leg. Trade for Brooke Lopez. You know? uh, Joel, it's always a pleasure. Uh, this one ran a little bit longer, but I, I think it was it was fun. I enjoyed talking about this. Uh, I think there was some definitely some nuggets in there. Uh, but yo, first part of the year, so. Uh, happy New Year to you, your family. Um, you know, may uh, you know tons of blessings be both bestowed upon you, uh, twenty twenty three, my man. Thank you, I appreciate it, and to you as well. It's uh, it's good to be back with you. Looking forward to next sure. year, this year, <laughs> this year, all years. Yeah. Let's do Definitely. it. All right, take it easy, Joel. Later, man. Later. Take care.